a great many people confuse the fact of joining the church with becoming a Christian. And this is not always the case. It's important for us to understand that we can come into the church, and I think there are three ways by which we come into faith in Jesus Christ. We can come into faith in Jesus Christ like the Philippian jailer. If you have your Bibles and you would like to make a note of the reference or turn to it, in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, we read about how Paul came to preach the gospel in Asia. We know how that uh, Paul preached and Lydia was converted down by the riverside and it tells us very carefully that the Lord opened her heart to believe the words which Paul spoke concerning Jesus Christ. One of our young people in the Sunday school this morning, I believe it was Paul, talked about the conversion of Lydia as a part of the church of prayer by the riverside. Well, there, that day, she came into faith in Jesus Christ, and that's what's important. Then there was another person in that community of Philippi, a poor, insane girl, demented by the devil and possessed of him, who followed Paul and Silas everywhere they went, screaming out, these are servants of the Most High God. Now, she was a person who was possessed, and she brought her keeper's great gain because she was a fortune teller. But Paul delivered her of the evil spirit that possessed her, and I believe that she too came to be possessed by Jesus Christ as Savior. She represented those who would have been of the class of slaves. But then there is a conversion that took place there that interests me, and I call it the uh, back door into uh, a relationship with Christ the back door into the kingdom. There were Paul and Silas were put in jail because they had overturned uh, the occupation of the people who had used that poor demon-possessed girl as a fortune teller. And they created a havoc because of this, their, uh, her owners did, and had Paul and Silas arrested and put into prison. And you remember that while they were in prison, they sang hymns, hymns of praise to God. What a tremendous thing that praise can be, the power to praise, and they praised God. And I'm sure that those people who were chained inside those prison cells had heard many filthy jokes, they had heard many curses, they had heard much violent language, but they never heard anyone singing praises to God, and especially after they had been brutally beaten as Paul and Silas had. But you know, a tremendous thing occurred. An earthquake came an earthquake came, and the jailer who had seen to it that Paul and Silas were beaten, he came running back with a torch to see what had happened because all of the prisoners' chains had been loosened from the walls and the doors of the cells were opened and they could have escaped. And the Bible tells us about a supposition that occurred here. He supposed that the prisoners had escaped, but there was something different about these prisoners. You see, they were servants of Jesus Christ, and in their lives there was a quality of life that was different. And so what he supposed was wrong. And people ought to see in our lives a different kind of conduct too. They ought to know that when we promise to pay a debt, we pay the debt. They ought to know that we will do things that are honorable in the sight of the Lord. And as Brown Hoyt said today, 
we would learn to say no to things that are questionable, that are evil, that might bring disgrace upon God. John Newton, one of the valuable members of our faculty, often speaks of what he calls his holy stubbornness and how during his tenure in the United States Navy, he developed a holy stubbornness before God to say no to people that would lead him in wrong ways. And so the jailers supposed Paul and Silas had fled, but he didn't know these Christians. He knew there was something strange about them because of the praise that they had given to God. But when he came trembling into their presence, he reckoned that there was something about them that was different from any other prisoner he had ever seen. And so in the midst of a tragedy, he cried out, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Not only from impending calamity as a result of an earthquake, but what must I do to be saved eternally? He had heard them speak of Jesus, and now they explained to him how he could have faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and his own personal Lord and Savior. And that night, that believer was baptized and his household. The word of faith was communicated to them, and that jailer washed Paul and Silas' stripes. Sometimes people come to Christ through great adversity and affliction. That's the back door. That's when we're sinking, like I was in the ocean off the Sebastian Inlet, and I reached up to grab the hand of the man that reached down to save me. And sometimes when we go through tragedy that's unreasonable and unexplainable and overbearing, we reach up desperately for God. Mrs. Deal told us this morning that she was conscious in her own heart that something was missing. And when she'd ask a minister, what is a Christian, all he could say was one who loves, and she had no content. She never knew what it was to open the door of her heart and really let Jesus come in, although she wanted to. And a neighbor led her, and a Bible class led her, and a church led her. And through the ministry of the word, she was enabled to know that Jesus knocks at the door of an empty heart. And when we open it and receive him in, he becomes Lord and master of our lives. And so we can't confuse just a ceremony of joining the church with this unless Jesus has come into our hearts. And I ask each of these young people, one by one, back in my study, have you asked Jesus to come into your heart? because that's what really counts. We can memorize the catechism, but unless we really know the Savior, we've missed the whole point of it. Sometimes tragedy has to lead us through that back door into the kingdom of God. Then we ought to join the church, and I'll talk about that in just a second. There's a front door by which we may come into faith in Jesus Christ. And the front door, I think, is told us in the Gospel of John. You remember John tells us that the purpose for which he wrote his book uh, is very plain. Many other signs did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. And also in the first chapter of John, chapter 1, verse 12, John tells us that to as many as received him, that is Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. You are not automatically a son or a daughter of God simply because you were born into the world. 
You're a son or a daughter of God when you're born again through faith in Jesus Christ. And so the front door entrance came for this writer of this gospel, John and Andrew, and you read about it in the first chapter of John, verse 36 and 7, how they went to hear John the Baptist who was proclaiming all about Jesus, who was the Messiah. And do you remember when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by John? And they saw the Holy Spirit descending upon him as though it were a dove. And John spoke, John the Baptist, about Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. And John and Andrew, who had been raised up in the Jewish faith, but were confused because the blood of the lambs that were slain at Passover the bloods of bulls and of goats could not possibly justify for all their sins. And now they know that God has provided a better way and that he will make his own son to be the perfect sacrifice by which our sins are taken away. And so when they asked Jesus, where do you dwell? Jesus said, come and see. And they went in the front door. They followed Jesus and through following him, their minds were so enlightened that John is possessed by the Holy Spirit to communicate all of this to us in the Gospel of John. And in the first letter of John, he reminds us again that he has seen these things with his own eyes. That which we have seen, that which we have heard, that which we have handled of the word of life, that's what's declared to you. And then he tells us again toward the end of the first letter of John, these things are written that ye may know and that you may have eternal life. And that life is in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. John wants us to know that. And that's the front door. That's coming to Jesus and having him teach us in just that way. And then there is a third way. And it's a family way. Brown Hoyt spoke about it. You remember him speaking about how all those years ago he could still remember his father? He could still remember his father reading the Bible. Do you ever read the Bible to your children? If you do not, why do you not? One day you'll go into the presence of God. And if your child is lost, will he be lost or she be lost because you never prayed with them? You never read the word of God with them? How can you possibly? Go into the presence of your father and your child not be with you because you've been ashamed of Jesus, ashamed to read his word, ashamed to teach your child to pray. Have you really kept the vows that were made when you baptized them in infancy to read the word of God with your child and to pray with your child? Or would your child wonder if you started suddenly to do that? Well, you ought to. You ought to. Many a parent gets led to God by the faith of the child, and I'm thankful for any way into the kingdom and any way into faith in Christ. Dwight L. Moody, the great American evangelist, told of a visit once that had been made to the Holy Land and of how a shepherd was trying to lead some sheep, a flock of sheep, across a raging stream. And the sheep were afraid to go across this stream, but he had to get them across. And so he tried to get them to cross. They would not cross. 
Finally, the shepherd went back and he reached down by a ewe lamb and he picked up a little ba- uh, a ewe and he picked up her little lamb and then he picked up another little lamb and he held both of those little lambs and then he suddenly walked across the stream onto the other side. Well, then the mother lamb began to bleak and she followed the shepherd who carried her lamb. Sometimes these children who come to faith in Jesus Christ and who love him are picked up by God in such a way that they lead their parents to come to a faith in him. And that's important. The Lamb of God. Uncle Ed told me yesterday what Dr. Bell used to say so often, that this Lamb of God who provides us righteousness that in Chinese, the character for lamb, and yesterday he looked it up in his Chinese Bible and read it to me on the telephone. Do you know what the character is? The character for for righteousness is a lamb with the word for me or for I under it. Now that's my righteousness. My righteousness is the righteousness of Christ, and it may be taught to me through a family way. Through my father, as Brown Hoyt's father taught his child to read the word of God and prayed with and for him. And now all of these years have passed, and he looks back today to that. And Uncle Ed, looking back 76 years to the time that he gave his heart to Jesus, think of all the people that have been blessed through these men of God who were taught when they were little ones to come to Jesus. That's a precious and important thing for us to remember. Now then, I want to say these things about knowing and growing. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren, says John in in his first letter. We are to have that Christian love which binds us together, the old and the young, as was demonstrated here when we held hands. Having come many different ways to the Lord, But the important thing is that we've come. We've come. When one, my friend Mr. Benny, is here this morning, and when he came from Czechoslovakia to the United States of America and declared his allegiance to this country, he had to renounce his allegiance to his former country. And this has now become his country in a new way. Well, when these young people and these others who have come and any of us who have truly believed, we renounce the world and we take allegiance to a new one, to Jesus Christ as our Savior from sin, the Lamb provided to take away our sins and to give us righteousness, and also as our Master and Lord. Lord means boss that he is to tell us what to do, and we are to obey him, and he speaks to us through his word by the Holy Spirit speaking to us. He speaks to us through the church. He speaks to us through the fellowship of other believers. He speaks to us in many ways. We need to listen to his voice, speaking to us from the word of God, speaking to us from the sacraments that are given, speaking to us from Christians like these older brethren, and from others. We need to be bound together in him. Then may I close by telling you about the church. Dr. James S. Stewart, who was one of my professors over in Scotland, used to say uh, so beautifully, a 
a story that he got from the records of the British Admiralty about how on one of the bleak coasts of Scotland there was a tremendous little church. It stood there for centuries. And that church was one day swept away by a violent storm that wrecked it completely. And the people were poor fisher folk and they couldn't afford to put the church together again to rebuild it physically. And they met in each other's houses. And then one day there came a representative of His Majesty's government and asked to see the elders of the church to speak with them. And he said, do you have plans for rebuilding your church? And they said, no, we do not have the money to rebuild it. And the representative of His Majesty's government said, I am authorized by His Majesty's government to extend to you the offer of the British Admiralty to rebuild your church completely as it once stood because the spire, the steeple of your church is on every single map of the Royal Navy and the ships that come into this district look on that map and then they take their sightings from the steeple of your church. And so we need to have it rebuilt so that we, our ships, will know the proper direction to take. Well, this is the business of the church. And we can only give people the right directions when we stay close to God through His Word, close to God in the blessed sacraments which seal to us the benefits of Christ and the righteousness He has achieved for us, and through love and fellowship with one another in growing in Him. If you do not know Christ as Savior, then I pray that before this day is out, you will ask Jesus, to come into your life. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. What a gracious invitation. He won't tear the door down. You may open the door and invite him to come in. And he said this, Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. What a gracious thing. No matter what you've done, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. And if you're unsure of your salvation, then search his word again. Read the story in Acts 16 of those conversions. Read chapter 1 of the Gospel of John. Read in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.15 about little Timothy, how from a child he knew the scriptures from his mother and from his grandmother and came into faith. And let us, as a people of God, be able to point others to heaven and to the Savior. Let us stand in prayer. O God, our Heavenly Father, we rejoice in the faith of our young friends, We thank Thee for those uh, who in the younger years of their life have sought Thee out. And we bless Thee for all of the good that they can do in the years that lie ahead. And we pray that You'll help them to remember this as a very happy day. We thank You also, Father, for those who are of riper years, whose faith in Christ has grown and blossomed, and who have declared afresh their hold upon Thee. And we seek for them Your benediction and blessing too. 
for those who are present in this congregation who have not yet known the joys of the Savior. Help them to understand that if they know that they are a sinner, that they can also know that Jesus Christ is a Savior and that they can positively know that him that cometh unto him he will in no wise cast out and that they can simply, like a little child, ask Jesus to come into their heart and know that on this day in May, 1976, they sealed it all and yielded their life to thee. And then grant that that shall be the beginning of a long walk of faithfulness with thee as we've seen in our other brothers here this day. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, our keeper and our guide, be and abide with you all, both now and forevermore.